Welcome to the Balance and Thrive podcast. I'm your host, Lynette Marie, a mindset and weight loss specialist, as well as a fitness business mentor for women with health goals, CEO aspirations, or just wanting to uncover their best selves. This podcast is your place for all things health, lifestyle, mental wellness, relationship, business building, and doing it all in a way that gives you the balanced lifestyle that helps you thrive. After nearly a decade as a coach, I've realized that the root of losing weight of building a business or thriving in any area in life all comes down to having a positive and growth-based mindset. I believe that your mindset is so powerful and ultimately unlocks everything you want in life. And I'll be sharing so many mindset lessons and hacks in this podcast that will help improve every area of your life. Whether you're trying to lose weight, build a business, improve your relationship, or just be happier, you're in the right place. I can't wait to share with you how to build a balanced life and truly thrive in every area. Let's dive in. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Balance and Thrive podcast. I am, I say this, I start every podcast saying, I'm so excited for today's episode, but like for real, I'm so excited for today's episode because my husband is back with us on the podcast. Yay. Yay. Hey. (laughs) He's excited. He's here to talk about, I mean, honestly, this is like your favorite subject. Us. Well, I mean, but like you're um, like a marriage coach, like a relationship coach. So like talking about marriage is your thing. Yes. Talk about it every single day on Instagram. And I want nothing more than everybody to have an amazing relationship. So just for the folks at home who don't know who my who this person is, this is my husband, Matt. Yes. <laughs> um, Matt and I have been married for, it'll be nine years this September. That's crazy. Nine years, September 2021, which is wild. Mm. I'm I'm not even 30 yet. How do I how have I been in a marriage for nine years? Because you were a baby when you married. <laughs> I genuinely was. Um, but for those of you who don't know, my husband Matt is a relationship coach. He's had his own relationship coaching business um that he's been doing online for the last a little over a year. Yep. Um before he well, yeah, I'll just let them I'll let you tell them what you do and like where you kind of come from and where your expertise in this has come from. So take it away. I was in ministry for over seven years, and one of the main things I did at the church was work with premarital couples and couples in marriage enrichment couples, which is a class for those who are already married. So, yeah, I mean, you essentially worked with couples at every phase of their relationship, like before they were married, when they were freshly married, and couples who've been married for ages, right? Yes, and it's one of the things I loved to do. I loved the hands-on approach because I believe relationships, marriages, regardless of where you are, a couple having everything right at home sets off everything else in your life. If you aren't solid as a couple, everything else falls into place. So I just love doing that. And then once that chapter closed with the ministry, I that next phase I felt led to do was to help couples. And the best way to do that was online through Instagram. I've been doing that for over a year and a half now. Yeah. I mean, when so like he said, before he was doing relationship coaching in, in the format he does it now, he worked um, as a minister on staff at our old church for almost eight years. Yep. Um, and he did a variety of things when he was there, but a lot of what he did was coaching couples. And every I always knew when Matt had done like a marriage enrichment class or when he had done premarital counseling or something, because he would always come home just like so ecstatic and so like, like, oh, I just worked with this couple today and they're going to be so set up for their marriage and they're a great couple and I'm so excited. And and even married some of the ones that went through premarital. So it's yeah. just great to see somebody come into a relationship and 
get the right information in order for them to have long-term success. And I wanted to duplicate that of what I did in ministry to what I do now. Yeah. So now Matt does, has his own online relationship coaching business. Um, and he goes by the spark guy online. That's me. <laughs> he helps couples get their spark back. That's right. Love it. Um, but what we're doing today is we are doing kind of a marriage Q and a kind of a marriage. We're doing a marriage Q and a, and, um, I asked you guys for questions about marriage on my Instagram. If you don't follow me, I am Lynette Marie H. Um, if you don't follow my husband, he is the spark guy <laughs> on Instagram, right? It's just the spark guy. Just the spark guy. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so I asked my audience, he asked his audience, if you guys had any questions for us and, we got a lot of questions. A lot of great questions. Oh, yeah. And some were about our marriage personally, and some were just like marriage advice in general. So obviously, we're qualified to talk about our own marriage because we're the only two people who've been in it yes. <laughs> for and, almost nine years now. And I've also helped many couples myself. So yeah. we cover the whole spectrum from our own personal experience and seeing results in other couples too. Yeah. So... Let's just dive right in. So we've got some questions here about like before you get married, um, some questions about me and Matt's marriage personally. Um, We've got sex questions. You know, we got to talk about sex because sex is a huge part of relationships. Huge part. Um, And then just some general Q&A, just questions about relationship, marriage, things of that nature. So let's dive right in. Let's do it. So the first question is, how did you know it was the right time to get married? So I think for me, it was love just builds generally over time. And then once you reach a certain point, you got to take the next step. And I knew that next step with meeting my wife. And I just couldn't imagine my life without her. So that's when I knew that was the right time to get married for us. I mean, honestly, I think that, I don't know. I think like part of it was we... But we, I'd grown up in the Christian church and you were part of the Christian church. And like, there's definitely this, like, this like timeline for Christians of like, oh, well, if you've been dating for a year, year and a half, then like, if you're old enough to get married, you get married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we definitely kind of did that. We were friends for like a year or so. And then we started dating and then we were dating for like maybe a year, year and a half. And it just... And then I proposed. Yeah. So it was very much like a... It's like a natural progression. Yeah, like a natural progression. Also just like your typical Christian progression. But um, I mean, yeah, now looking back, I don't know. It's like I didn't even think about it that much. I I was 20 years old, you guys, when I got engaged. Yeah. Like I said, she was a baby. I was super young. Matt is eight years older than me, which also looking back, I'm like, whoa, this like 28 year old was into a... 20 year old. (laughs) It didn't feel weird at the time. It doesn't, it obviously has worked out great now, but it definitely is. I, it it feels weird when I look back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess if I was to say like, how do you know when it's the right time to get married is, I mean, to me, marriage just really symbolizes commitment. It's less about like, Oh, I feel so in love with you. I want to take this next step. It's really like, you're my person and you're my person for life. And I want to enter into that, like, that committed relationship with you. Yeah. That ultimate level of commitment of like, I want to build a life together with this person. Um, and I guess when, when you really feel like that was the case, which definitely was for us, like we definitely had gotten to that point of like, I'm in it, man. (laughs) Like till death do us part. And I'm going to grow old with you. Yeah. Um, next question. Were you nervous or had, did you have any doubts? I honestly can't say that I was 
nervous or had any doubts. Like you were such a solid person that you had never really given me any fears about your character. And for me, that would be my biggest fear going into a marriage is that like, I would think this man is one thing and then he turns out to be another. Like, I think he's a good guy and then he turns out not to be, or I think he, you know, just likes drinking a little and then he turns into an alcoholic. Like, I think for me, that would have been what gave me pause or made me feel afraid. And you were just such a solid, consistent person. You had never like walked back on a statement you'd ever told me. You'd never played games with me. You'd never been like, oh, well this. And then it was a lie. So like, I felt like I knew exactly what I was getting myself into. So I don't feel like I had any doubts. Yeah. And I, I didn't have any doubts or nervousness nervousness at all myself one of the things i do recommend is that people do date for an extended period of time you hear people that find each other get married three months later like if that works for you great but you have to know people in different circumstances and people can put on a front for a certain amount of time but it's kind of like we've seen each other at our worst so like the shoe has dropped so there were no surprises compared to if you only date for six months or eight months like you don't truly know who they are not nothing against you you can make that decision that's great for you but that's why we didn't have any nervousness or doubt because we've seen the best of each other and we've seen the worst of each other. Right. So we kind of just knew what we were getting ourselves into to some extent. Yep. Um, also, I think I was, I honestly, it was so young. I don't think, I think I was still young enough to be so naive that I was like, oh my God, it's going to be amazing. Like nothing will ever go wrong. And, and that's exactly <laughs> what happened, right? No. No. <laughs> um, what are important, hard conversations to have before saying I do? I'm going to pass this to you, Pastor Hoyle, because. <laughs> yes. So the first thing is having the hot going into the relationships and having what are your non-negotiables like is it about religion is it about kids is it about jobs is it about moving whatever it is like have your set standards and you need to have those conversations because i deal with this so many times in relationships and i get so many direct messages from clients where hey my boyfriend just left me because he wanted to do a missions trip and just go to florida and left me hanging for three months like but that was really really important to him on his heart but they never had that conversation so you need to have those difficult conversations for your quote non-negotiables yeah i think that and i think it's you know, I think a lot of times we get into relationships and when we connect with somebody so well, we can make it all about just that connection. Like, oh, well, I really like them. I enjoy spending time with them. But you got to really fast forward life a little bit. And it's tough because, you know, what you think you want at 20 could totally be different than what you want at 30 or 40. And so like those life changes are going to happen anyway. But I think it's really important to make sure that you and that person have a similar vision for life, mm-hmm. right? Like maybe one person wants to live a nomadic lifestyle where they're, they want to travel forever and they never want kids and they never want to settle down and they want to just spend every dime that they make traveling and going out there. Meanwhile, the other person very much wants to like stay in their hometown, raise a bunch of kids, doesn't like value travel, like hates leaving the house. Those are things that I think you want to consider is just like, what do you see for your life? And obviously, like we got married before we realized that in a lot of ways we did differ on this and like what we want in life is can be kind of different. And so it's just, you know, it's we've had to compromise a lot like and that's okay. It can happen. But I think it's so many people don't want to compromise that that can split up relationships down the road. And there's people that don't want to have the hard conversations because they're afraid that it's going to push somebody away. But 
Trust me, I've seen it on both sides. You want to have the hard conversations on the front end before you're married rather than after because when you do after, then you're married and there's like it gets a lot more complicated afterwards and it's better to have the hard conversations before you actually say I do. Right. Yeah, so shifting gears here a little bit, you guys asked some questions specifically about me and Matt. Now, I know we're we're already kind of answering these questions (laughs) with our experience and about us, but... These were specific, like they want, you guys wanted to know this about me and Matt. So let's dive into the question that I, I get this question so often. And I just want to say, I will, I'm going to answer it. And, um, but I, I just want to say it in general, I don't like this question and I don't like when this question is, is asked of women. And I think, you know, where I'm probably going with this just because this can be a really sensitive topic for ish, for people. So the question is, do you want kids? Um, I... I'm really on the fence. I, it's weird for me personally, Lynette, it's hard to imagine my life long term without a family. Like, it's really weird for me to like think of my life 10 years from now and I don't have kids. Like that feels really bizarre to me. But also I in no way, shape or form want a child right now. Like I don't want a kid. I don't, pregnancy sounds terrible to me. Like every time that I have like, I have like close girlfriends with kids and I love their kids so much, like would die for their kids. But all I can ever think is like, wow, I'm really glad that those kids are not my responsibility. I'm glad I can just like pick up and go when I want. I'm glad I don't have the responsibility of kids. I'm glad I don't have any of that. So I'm in a weird place where I'm like, okay, well, like you say that you feel like life would be weird without kids, but also no part of you wants to go down that pathway. So I personally just struggle. And also I have a lot of guilt around this because Matt does want kids and he's wanted kids like since day one. Yeah. Well, I think part of it was me growing up. I had a lot of younger cousins. So I was raised around kids all the time. Like I'm the oldest of my cousins. So I'm the oldest grandson. So I was always one babysitting. I was always one spending time. So I had a lot of exposure to kids. And obviously, once you get old, like you can have your own. Now, my shift was a little bit different because I was all in. I wanted kids day one. And, you know, we originally talked about possibly having kids year one, year two. But as it progressed, like the focus changed from we're going to have kids to we're going to build our relationship because I put so much value on it. And maybe it's the same thing for a lot of women. Like you aren't a good person if you have kids. You can speak to women. But for like I had that mindset, like I was so my passion and purpose. And if that's your kids and that's the way you want to do it, feel free to be you. But I put way too much value on that rather than my wife. So there's a shift that happened for us. So like just to make sure it's clear what you're saying, what I'm hearing you say is that like, you had a huge piece of like your identity and perceived success around like being a parent. Yes. And that like the whole point of life was to like have kids, which like, again, like you said, like that can be people's purpose. But I think for you, it was more of like an inherited purpose rather than like an actual inner drive. Or yeah. Something. And I think as we, you know, went through our marriage and we did have a lot of, you know, big discussions and still to this day, we'll have discussions about kids because we've had to have that talk of like me saying, Hey, I might never have kids and Matt being like, okay, (laughs) like that, you know, that was a really hard, um, one for him to get on board with. But 
Um, you know, at the end of the day, we, we came into this marriage committed to each other and committed into making our relationship grow. And I think as time has gone on, we have found so much purpose in that and so much happiness in that. And also so much purpose in our jobs and like, uh, building our legacy and doing the things that we want to do. And our life has been so fulfilled and so enriched doing what we do. And so, you know, do I think we'll have kids one day? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I think so. Um, again, it, it's so, I just do not see myself as like the person forever who just like never has kids, but I don't, I don't want them right now. <laughs> but in the last thing I will just say about this topic again, you guys, a lot of, a lot of people ask me this question and I, I don't take a lot of offense to it because I think on social media, my audience feels very close to me and, and you know, you guys kind of are like, I feel very close to you guys. I share a lot about my life with you guys. Um, but you know, I used to ask this question to young married people a lot years ago. Um, and I would later find out, I would ask this question to someone who didn't have kids and I'd find out later that they were struggling to conceive and I had no idea, or they, you know, had had multiple miscarriages and were just not able to have a successful pregnancy. And that question is really painful for people like that. I can specifically think of two different women in my life who I had no idea they were struggling with infertility. And I just, you know, naively was like, hey, when are you guys having kids? And both women were just like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know, one day. And, you know, I didn't think anything of it because I didn't know the struggle of, like, infertility. But now looking back, I, like, kick myself because it later came out that, like, they were struggling to conceive or, like, they couldn't get pregnant. And so I think it's just really important to to keep in mind that, this is a really personal question. Like, yeah. um, and I just think we should be careful about asking people if they want to have kids, but people ask me this all the time and, and it's not as sensitive for me as it was anymore. Again, I used to carry a lot of guilt around this. I still kind of do of like depriving my husband of a child <laughs> when he's still like, he still really wants kids. Um, and also feeling like, yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure on women to like have to be mothers or like something's wrong with you or you're just like a selfish adult if you don't have kids. But I'll let it say TBD. TBD. Um, ooh, they asked, someone asked our favorite physical trait of each other and our favorite personality trait of each other. What's your favorite physical trait of me? <sighs> there is way too much mm-hmm. in this. Po- there, th- this would be an entire episode in <laughs> podcast. What Matt likes what, about living. Where I can just like in detail, like describe from head to toe. Gross. Nobody would want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get to see it every single day and I love it. So Ew. I would just say, you know, just the general shape of my voice body, like just her curves and how she looks. And ow, ow. that's right. <laughs> so I, I would just say that is my favorite physical trait, my personal, uh, the personality trait. I would say my wife is absolutely hilarious. Like I am, aren't I? She is hilarious. <laughs> she is sassy and it's just everything rolled up in one. So those are my one, two physical trait and personality trait. Thank you. Um, my favorite physical trait of you. I really do like that. You're tall. You're my, if you guys didn't know, my husband is six foot eight. He's super tall. Yes, I am a tall drink of water. The weather is great up there. (laughs) I did play basketball. Um, I can get stuff off high shelves. I can change light bulbs, whatever you do. Yeah. Wandering minds want to know. Um, I mean, honestly, you're almost a little too tall. Yeah. yeah, she was complaining the other day that every time I hug you, I got to crank my neck. It, it's like, it's painful to hug him. It's painful to kiss him standing up. Because, like, I have to literally look up at the ceiling to get the to get the angle. Or, like, I hug you and I have to, like, 
It's painful. But, like, you know, I love you. But, Uh-oh. like, ouch. <laughs> um, no, I do love that you're tall, though. I like that you have, like, broad shoulders and, like, a muscular chest. Like, the whole broad back, broad shoulders thing. Got You got that going on. I like that. Great. Uh, my favorite personality trait of yours is probably, like, just your consistency. Like... I'm a, I'm a person who finds comfort in just safety in general, and I like consistency. I like people that I always know what I'm going to get from them. Um, I remember in high school, like, the worst relationships I would be in would be with guys who, like, one day they were, like, all about me, and then the next day they were ignoring me, and then the next day they were, like, I love you, and then the next day they were, like, I'm not sure about us, and that inconsistency, like, I'm sure, ladies, some of you are listening and you're, like, dude... <laughs> I've been there and it's super annoying. And I just love that with you, you, what you say is what you mean always. Like you never walk back your statements. You are, you were just so honest and consistent. And like, I never have to wonder, I just never have to wonder with you. Like, am I going to get something different? Like, does he not actually like me? Does he, is he going to not be in a good mood today? Like you're just so consistent. And I like that. Now we're going to talk about dream Matt and how he is very inconsistent. Okay. Listen, dream Matt is like a great a, a hole. Like I have this for, so like whenever I dream about Matt, almost always I, the Matt in my dreams is such a jerk. It's like an alter ego of mine. Yeah. Like the dream Matt in my dreams is like the opposite of my husband. Like he's a super jerk. He's super inconsiderate. He, like, cheats on me constantly. He, like, ridicules me. Like, Dream Matt is... I hate that guy. And I always have dreams of you like that. And then I wake up and I'm pissed at you. And I can't change that. I know. There's nothing you can do. I'm so sorry. It is what it is. (laughs) Okay. Next question. Did you ever have bad or serious fights? I love that this was posed as did. As if, like, we've graduated from fighting. Have we graduated from fighting? No. (laughs) I'd say we fight a little bit more cleaner. But we've had some, like, obviously not physical, but some, Mm. like, throwdown fights. Blowouts. Blowouts that we've both needed space and we've both needed to leave the house because we couldn't stand each other. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, I don't talk about that a lot on social media, but it's the truth. Like, you think that we being together for nine years have it all together. We don't. Definitely not. And I I think also fighting styles depends a lot on the personalities, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, if you were with someone who had a personality more like yourself, there probably wouldn't be as many blowouts, but also because you're kind of passive. Very passive. Very passive-aggressive. I wear the badge. Not very proud. (laughs) I'm trying to rip it off every single day. Whereas I'm the opposite. I'm, like, direct to a fault. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're... Literally, before we started this podcast, you were, like, breathing on me, and I was like, you're breathing on me. (laughs) Like, we're trying to start this cute little marriage Q&A, and I'm like, could you breathe elsewhere? (laughs) So, that's an opportunity, just as a learning lesson, that I could either engage that and be like, well, fine, I'm going to do this later, and then we just kind of storm off, or, hey, my wife is just pissed at me breathing, let me just cover my face and breathe in a different direction and let's Well and also I our tech like our our tech was not working and so I was irritated and Matt breathing on me just aggravated that and I think we both can kind of like feel out the situation and Matt realized like okay like she's she's just irritated and me breathing on her is just not helping. Like this is not the hill to die on right now. No. Um but yeah so like I'm a very direct person. I um, I'm a little spicy, if you will. I, I'm not, I try not to ever like be disrespectful or to just go for the jugular just because of it. Um, I was not always like that at the beginning of our marriage. I was, I was a not like spiteful person, but I, if you upset me, I wanted to hurt you. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't like that about myself. I don't 
like how I used to be like that. Um, I feel like I've very much moved through that and kind of grown out of that to where I'm able to like fight and be in an angry fight. And I don't just like sling hateful, hurtful things at you. Um, but for sure, like I, when I'm upset, I'm direct about it. I, I don't try and soften the blow. It's just not my style. Um, the like sandwich method of like, say something encouraging and then say what you're upset about and then follow up with praise that like hurts my soul trying to do that. I just like, can't, I'm just like, Matt, you're pissing me off. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. So yeah, we totally have bad or serious fights. We've had fights in the last year that were like, one of us leaves the house because we just need space for a little bit, but yeah, but we've come a long way. Like I would say what has changed and evolved for us is really allowing each other to express ourselves and just to be heard. Yes. Like, and even if it may hurt, but if Lynette is hurt or I am hurt, like we can work towards a solution together. So that way it's like Lynette and I versus the problem rather than us, rather than us versus each other. I think we've also just gotten really good at communication to where like, I feel like so many fights just escalate completely out of emotion and just being hurtful for the sake of being hurtful, where I feel like now we are so much better at just effectively being like, you are hurting my feelings because you're doing this and I would like you to stop or like, I would like you to do this. And it's just a little easier. Yeah. Cause no one likes to see like quote correction, but right. that's what you need to do in relationship. I, I think people don't do stuff on purpose just to piss you off. They are right. oblivious to it. Right. So if Lynette says I need you to do X, Y, Z, it may suck to hear that, but she's doing that in order to improve our relationship and take our relationship to the next level. Yeah. I think, I think that's, yeah, a big thing that's changed for us is that our fights are just a lot more productive and um, it, it rarely just escalates to a huge fiery battle because, yeah, I think we both kind of come into it knowing like there's a reason, like if one of us is getting really upset and touchy, there's a reason. And like we know each other well enough to know like what our hot points are mm. and um, what can touch each other's buttons. And we actively try to like not do that and to just fight smarter. I guess. Yep. I mean, it's not perfect. Obviously, like sometimes we just piss each other off and we. Yeah. And by, <laughs> by the time you hear this, we may have had another big fight. Right. Like, yeah, it's like, just, that's just life. Like, yeah. You... Well, and that's, I think that's the thing is that I think also some people think fighting is like a, a bad sign that, you know, like, oh, people who are happy never fight or like fighting is, you know, a really bad thing in relationships. And for me, I think fighting is, you know, a, a, largely about personality types like some people who say they never fight I don't understand that unless it's just two personality types who are not fighting type of individuals um but I also just I don't think that fights necessarily have to be a bad thing as long as you're you're really working to resolve them and you're letting them help you grow rather than just like hurt each other and the last thing I'll say is just having boundaries like certain things that okay like there is no like personal attacks there's like screaming like just certain boundaries that you and your partner knowing each other knowing your personalities finding what those are so that way there's a set of rules that don't allow things to go off the rails right well and also are like like things that you're not allowed to bring up like Mm -hmm. you're not allowed to in a fight bring up that thing i did six years ago like you're in a fight not allowed to you know we've just got boundaries of like we're we're not doing that we're not going to play dirty like that like it's tempting to when you're in a fight because you're angry at that person and it's I think second nature to like want to say something hurtful at times uh, just to feel like you've got the leg up in the conversation or something but yeah boundaries in in uh, arguments for sure so 
Um, next question. Someone said, for me, they asked, Lynette, do you get jealous when there are good-looking women around your husband? Tips on jealousy or comparison? I'm looking forward to this answer myself. <laughs> so, for, for a fair amount of my marriage, I would get... I wouldn't say jealous as much I would say insecure, but it was because I was insecure as a person. Um, also, I really, for a lot of my marriage, was convinced that Matt wanted a type of woman that I was not. I really thought Matt wanted like a super small size zero bleach blonde bimbo with like huge boobs. Like I was so convinced that Matt wanted that. Um, and that I was not that. And so for a lot of our marriage, I would feel insecure if a woman like that was in the room. And let me interject for a second. To be fair, I was the one not affirming my wife and how she looked. Yeah. There's a lot of things where I would like, well, she should just assume that I like her. She should have just assumed that I like all these parts of her body, but I was not very expressive of it mm-hmm. and not very detailed. So yeah. I played a part of that insecurity and I own up to that. Yeah. Well, the first few years of our marriage, like you were just... You were not a great communicator. I don't want to talk about the first thing here. That's, that's another podcast in and of itself. Yeah. Well, and so, yeah, so it did create some insecurity for me because I always had this idea of, like, a man is, like, all over a woman and, like, constantly talking about her body parts and, like, how hot she is. And, like, I wasn't always getting that. And so I felt insecure. I felt like, oh, well, it's probably because I don't, you know, because I was already super insecure in my teen years as a young adult, concerned about my weight, et cetera. And so then to be in this relationship where I wasn't being affirmed, it was just kind of a, a, like a recipe. Perfect storm. Yeah, a perfect storm for sure. Um, as for tips on jealousy or comparison, so really what obviously has helped is A, really working on my own insecurities and not letting them magnify any problems in my life, right? So like now I can be in a room with a woman who I think is way hotter than me and I would assume is way more attractive than than I am and I don't really feel anything about it because I've just become so secure in myself that like I'll see a woman and I'll be like yeah that girl's way hotter than me and like it just doesn't bother me because I don't feel threatened um because I'm so secure that I just feel like hey like I don't have to be the prettiest girl in the room to be loved and cherished um but the second thing was just a lot of communication between us of me expressing to him like these are my needs around needing to feel beautiful and needing to feel special to you and needing to feel like, I have your attention. And, and, and one of the things that was great about Lynette, like, she was patient with telling me those things because that's something that I needed to learn over time. It wasn't going to happen overnight. So we've had many discussions about what she needs. Yeah. And I've made incremental changes. Like, I would love to switch on a dime, but learning a new trait takes time. So yeah. I do got to give a, a shout out or a thanks to Lynette <laughs> for being patient. And I know we are nine years in now. I know it's so much better than I did year one, year two, year three. Yeah. So I, I think it was that and um, yeah, like communicating like, hey, this this is how I feel around these, these types of women. And it's because I feel like I'm not getting this from you. And of course, learning how to phrase that in a way that isn't again, hurtful, because yes. you could easily turn that into, you never make me feel good. You, you know, probably like all these women more than me, you probably think those girls are hot and you probably think I look gross and you never do this and you never do that. And like, that's just not helpful conversation. And you can't speak to your boyfriend slash fiance, whatever, as he were your girlfriend. Like right. being around girls, girls can be very direct with each other, but there's a little bit of a softening that needs to take place in order to get your point across in a way that he's going to receive it. Yeah, totally. So, yeah. Um, they wanted to know what our love languages are. 
What's your love language or your top few? You know my love language. I know your love language. Tell the folks at home. Well, I'm a very physical touch type individual. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, The man is a physical touch person. I just want to be like a panda bear wrapped around Lynette 24-7. And literally like from the moment she wakes up to the moment she goes to bed. Like if I could just be her backpack... You like, would love I, that. I would do that just because <laughs> I just get so much. And I think part of it is growing up, I was in a family that was very affectionate. So we hug all the time. We were just very close. We roughhouse. So there was a lot of love that was developed that I received growing up. Yeah. And now I got my wife and I want to kind of repeat the exact same thing. Yeah. But that is really low on the Nets list. Yeah. She, she can tell you her history about physical touch. and I mean, I don't really have like a history history. It just wasn't, we weren't an overtly physically affectionate family. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I it just, it's not, it, I mean, I don't know. It's just not a huge need for me. My biggest love language is probably um, words of affirmation, but it's really closely tied with gifts which I used to be so embarrassed by. I don't know. I just felt like having gifts be a love language felt so greedy, but it's not even that I just want stuff. It's that when I see somebody get me something, it's just to me, I'm like, you would not get me something if you didn't love me. (laughs) Like nobody buys a gift for somebody that they don't care about, especially like a gift that's not, um, you know, like at Christmas, there's like you give people gifts kind of out of obligation or like birthdays or whatever. But if you just like come over to see me and you're like, oh my gosh, I saw this at TJ Maxx and thought of you, my heart is just like soaring. Cause all I can, it just, to me, it feels like you wouldn't do that if you didn't love me. Like, I don't know. That's just how I feel. And then being like, Matt will do little surprises all the time, like little gifts and things like that. And it just makes me so happy. Probably the same way you feel if I like touch your arm. Yes. It, <laughs> I always tell her, even if I'm in the room and you pass by me, if you put one finger on me, like you it's, lose your mind. It <laughs> it's cute, though. Um, oh, so somebody asked, what was the main reason divorce was a possibility? So we've talked, or you, mostly you've talked on social media about how in like 2014, early 2015, we kind of hit a breaking point of like basically almost separating. And what it really, I think, was is, was a crescendo of a lot of things, um, a lot of just us not connecting, um, me not feeling loved from you because you weren't at that point really communicating your love. Or, I mean, I felt like, I didn't think you even really did love me. I think I was a good mate for you. Like sounds so weird, but I felt very much like an accessory in your life. I didn't feel, um, like you cared about me deeply. I didn't feel, yeah, a lot of those things. And then Matt, on the other hand, felt, he didn't feel like he, was getting the wife that he thought he was getting. I mean, for you, what was that experience? Yeah. Well, like I said, I I wish I could go back to year one, year two, Matt, and just really shake him because I went into marriage with a lot of wrong assumptions about marriage and a lot of wrong expectations. So um, it's almost like a wife was a piece of, quote, my empire. Mm. It makes me think of, uh, what's his name? I'm married at first sight that we've been watching I don't know. The people at home are not going to watch that show, so it's fine. Okay. But um, it's just something where 
I had a certain idea and Lynette had to fit a certain mold. And when you try to put somebody in a box that they don't want to be in, it makes both people upset. It makes me upset because she didn't fit in that. And it makes Lynette upset rather than saying, why don't you just love me for who I am and everything that I'm made of. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about it, it, you make it sound like it was like Matt was evil and Lynette was an innocent victim, which I just don't think was the case. I also stopped engaging in our marriage and I stopped wanting to love you and I very much I was the one who was like I'm out of here like I was the one who was really pushing to leave you were not trying to leave I was trying to leave um and so I think I think that was it though was like when I was like okay like but for real I'm gonna leave that was kind of for you like the oh like something's seriously wrong here she's not just like playing games like she's like packing her bags and talking about staying at her parents for a night like Um, I think that was really eye-opening for you. It was also eye-opening for me that I was like, I was like, whoa, like I literally just got married two years ago and I'm already dipping out. Like what happened? And I think it was at that time that we really just became a lot more committed to our marriage. Yeah. Um, And and became a lot more aware of our weaknesses. Like what were our shortfalls and what do we need to change in order to make our marriage work? I think that was the first time too that I felt like I really started being willing to make sacrifices for my marriage and like being willing to not make it about my happiness or my feelings um, or my expectations and like really just laid it all down. It was like, what does it look like for us to have a happy marriage together? Yeah. I don't know. So there wasn't, I mean, I can't say there was like some huge thing other than just like a lot, just a lot of rising tensions to a point at the end of 2014 where yeah, yeah, it just we, re- reached a boiling point, yeah. and you had one of two options to get divorced or to fight for it, yeah. and we fought for each other. Yeah, and I also should say, we also got some counseling at that time mm-hmm. with um, our, our pastor at the time and our pastor's son. Um, we had a few sessions, and that was really helpful for us to just recenter our marriage, or kind of remember what we had committed to, and to realize, like, oh, like this isn't just like we're not dating anymore. Like we have made that commitment to stick together and to for better or for worse. And I think that really just renewed for us the realization because we take marriage very seriously. Like Mm -hmm. we both went into this and we still to this day are, I don't want to say we're like anti-divorce because I think that there's a time and place for that. I genuinely do, but um, we don't take marriage lightly. Nope. Not at all. And we are very much of the, the camp of like always fight for your marriage as much as you can. So we did, but yeah. Um, So next question, someone wanted to know for you, Matt, how was it for Matt when Lynette became the main income provider? Which I think is such an interesting question um, because at the beginning of our marriage, you were the main income provider for the first three years of our marriage. Um, I was making basically nothing for the first three years of our marriage. And so then when I started my online coaching business, um, pretty much by the end of the first year, I was technically making more. And then as time's gone on, you know, you know, that's why we kind of retired you from your full-time job a year and a half ago is because I was kind of becoming the, the main income provider. Um, I mean, for me, I, I don't think I've ever had a conversation with you where you felt emasculated, but I mean, I don't know, I guess you could speak for yourself, Yeah, I mean, it's something that I always want to do and always want to um, give uh, give equal to the relationship. And obviously, starting a brand new business that you don't have a lot of income coming in. But thankfully, like Lynette said, she didn't like throw it in my face or like Mm -hmm. I wear the pants now. I make decisions because 
throughout our whole marriage, it's always been the input between both of us because yeah. we are equal partners. Right. And there's sometimes that Lynette gives, there's sometimes that I give. But I think that you need to have that balance because if you don't have that balance, that's something that Lynette could throw in my face and continually throw it in my face. And it's just, it doesn't do any good for our marriage at all. Yeah. Well, we've like chosen balance on that. Like we've never any part in our marriage was there a time where when you were making more that the money was yours or like you had better, bigger say in what we did with our finances and same now, even if I'm the, you know, person who's making most of the money right now, it's not my money. It's our money. Since day one of our marriage, we've always shared bank accounts. We've always shared, um, income. Like it's always been our money. It's not, it's never been his money, my money. It's just never been like that for us. And nope. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I don't really think it's a huge thing for us for me to be the main income provider. I, I think it's, it just is what it is. It is what it is, and we're going to continue to work together because we both have goals. And if we are both succeeding in what we love to do, yeah. I say that's success in yeah. general. It doesn't really matter who's actually bringing the money in to us. So. All right, the next question is, Matt always talks about his previous lack of communication skills, and you talk about your negative Nelly thoughts. How did he learn how to communicate in a more emotional way? And how did you learn how to keep those negative thoughts from ruining your relationship? So so for me, the way that I started communicating more in an emotional way was I hired a coach. And he was able to open the door to a lot of feelings and emotions. Mm -hmm. And because he allowed me to do that, and it wasn't specifically directed at Lynette, it was just to other areas in my life. And it became kind of I don't know a better way to say it, like self-aware. Yeah. And when you're aware of your feelings, yeah. then I can see Lynette. And now I notice the feelings that she's hot, she's sexy, <laughs> she's amazing. And then I'm able to express that to yeah. her. Where in the past, kind of like we mentioned in a previous question, it was kind of assumed like, oh, my wife already knows that she's sexy, so I don't have to say anything. But yeah. I just became more aware of my emotions and it allowed me to express myself. And that came from hiring a coach that helped walk me through that. Yeah, which is interesting interesting because what helped me with my negative thoughts and like dealing with negative thoughts was a therapist. So I think being willing to know what you need help with and being willing to get help with it is a huge step. Like Matt was very just emotionally shut down, emotionally shut down, very robotic, very robotic, um, like in a lot of ways. And, you know, again, this was back when our relationship was really failing several years ago that he was realizing that and he wanted to get more and more help for it. And so then, yeah, he actually hired a life coach in maybe like 2018. I think that's when he hired this life coach to just kind of help him break through some of the emotional blocks that he had. Um, and it was very successful. It was, I mean, it really brought a level of awareness to Matt um, in his emotions and in his thoughts and let him like just live life at a deeper level. And what I find interesting is in my relationship coaching business, I attract the same type of couples yeah. to me that the, like the guys are usually mirror images of me and the women are mirror images of you. So yeah. like you obviously <laughs> attract who you are, but I've helped many guys walk through this and yeah. using the same techniques that helped me from this coach to be able to duplicate that with these other guys right. that they are able to become more in touch with their emotions be emotionally available. So I love seeing the light bulb go on in guys' eyes and like, oh, I didn't know it was that easy. So yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think what's important to note is that like 
you, it's not like this coach turned you into an extremely emotional person. No. Right? Like, I don't think, just like therapy has not turned me into an extremely optimistic or positive person, right? It's just about, you know, dealing with this tendency, if you will, and working on it so that it's no longer a hindrance in your life. And you can, it doesn't like hold you back, right? So it's not like you're some super overly emotional person now. It's just that you are emotionally available. Yes. You have, you know how to access emotions and emotional availability to be there for me, to like feel things more deeply, to experience things more deeply. To, to, to empathize. Right. Where in the past, because I still remember sitting down with Lynette in the park and I asked her specifically, what is the purpose of a feeling? What's the purpose of emotions? And I'm sure her jaw dropped internally. I was she, like, what do you mean what's the purpose of feelings? I don't know. They just happen. Yes. Like, he genuinely had, like, he just didn't get the purpose well, of feeling things. And obviously, based on my past and based on other girlfriends cheating on me, my parents getting divorced, like, I would just bury feelings and emotions. But yeah. that that makes you unemotionally available. And that and brought that into our relationship. So I thank right. God for this coach that opened up my eyes that, right. like you mentioned, made me more aware of my emotions. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm working on it every single day. Yeah. And as for like negative thoughts, I would say, I mean, again, it's something that I have worked on in therapy. It's something I continually work on more for my own sake than just the relationship, although it does affect our relationship. Um, you know, it's really difficult to be with someone who's super negative. Like, that's just not a fun environment. And I I knew that me being negative and having negative thoughts could bring Matt down or just, like, be a damper or, you know, especially if negative thoughts led to anxiety or fear. And, like, if I'm constantly just like, what if this happens? What if that happens? Or everything we do is coded in just, like, negativity of, like, oh, I bet it's going to suck. Oh, I bet it's going to be terrible. Like, that's just not fun. Um, So I think just really dedicating yourself to working on the things that are harmful to your marriage, knowing that, like, you owe it to your, not, like, owe it to your partner. I don't want to use that terminology, but, like, your partner deserves somebody who's willing to work on the marriage and sacrifice their comfort level for well, the and, marriage. And just identify what your weaknesses are and continue to work on it. Like yeah. that's just, you know, that's what relationships are about. And yeah. I find it interesting. It's almost like a divine conspiracy that you're with somebody who's opposite of you yeah. that it's like Lynette and I are eventually, you know, I'm expecting 20, 30, 40 years. And like, we're going to be so much more alike because I bring out, Um, my strengths in Lynette and she brings out the strengths in me. Yeah, definitely. So we're going to shift gears into everybody's favorite topic. We've got a few uh, sex questions here. Um, So let's talk about that. So the first question somebody asked was, do you ever have disagreements on the frequency of intimacy? If so, how did you overcome it? So right off the bat, I just want to share that uh, for the first like five years of our marriage, I was on hormonal birth control and I a thousand out of a thousand percent do not recommend hormonal birth control for a number of reasons. Um, but for me and for many, many others, it really killed my sex drive. Mm-hmm. Like it, and it sucked. Um, it really killed my sex drive. And, um, you know, I think for some women, they don't really mind that, but I did. I, you know, her, it was a young married girl in my prime, if you will, and like just never wanted to have sex. Like literally, like I remember at that point in our marriage, like maybe 2015, 2016, I remember literally saying like, I don't, I don't need sex anymore. (laughs) Like I'm good if I never have sex again, which obviously Matt did not 
Love that. No, not at all. <laughs> Just because I love sex. I love sex with my wife and I want to do it as much as possible. But yeah. hearing that is just a very devastating. Yeah, for sure. And um, But like birth control and probably I was, that was in the time of my life where I was super lean. I was over exercising. I was under eating. So like that probably didn't help. Um, but yeah, so I wouldn't say we would have like... So, like, Matt has never, ever been like, you need to have sex with me. Nope. He's never been like, well, I expect it this time, this many times per week. Like, when I was going through my really low sex drive time, we were literally having sex, like, two or three times a month. He was very, very patient. He was very understanding. Like, mad, mad props to Pastor Hoyle here because he was very patient and understanding. Um, However, I knew, I knew he was struggling for it. Like, I knew he felt... Um, unloved in a way because like you know especially since physical touch is his number one um like love love language Mm -hmm. um and then of course yeah we were like we'd only been married four years at this point three four years at this point and already I was so uninterested in sex like that it was just really hard for us so there was a period of time for maybe several months where we got on a schedule Mm -hmm. which like felt like the most unsexy thing ever to be like okay well we're having sex every monday wednesday friday (laughs) but but it showed my my wife knew where she was and she was trying to find a quote compromise to to find a middle ground because that was something that i could look forward to a certain amount of frequency at that time and then she could schedule that in or know that it was coming which like you know it's tough because i i as a woman who had a really low sex drive I would never in a million years tell a woman like, well, you need to figure it out and like give it up to your man. Like never in a million years um, would I say that that a person should make themselves go through with that. But, you know, we kind of it, it kind of almost took pressure off me. Because otherwise, it was like every day I was like, I should be having sex and I'm not having sex. Yeah, and I would make the attempt and get a no. And then yeah. next day, a no. So and then, then so yeah. much rejection over and over yeah, and over again. Yeah, sucked for you and then made me feel even worse as like, I'm, you know, I'm not, we're not having sex and that sucks. Um, so then, yeah, yeah, we were on a schedule, which again, I liked. It was just a little bit more predictable and I felt like I could kind of like get in the headspace of like, okay, like it's happening tonight and... um Yeah, I was, so we did do that. And I think we did that for several months and it actually did help build the habit of sex again. Mm -hmm. But honestly, the best thing ever was when I got off birth control. Yes. (laughs) He's looking, he's over here like, yep. It was an almost night and day difference. Like month one, I felt like myself again. I felt like I actually wanted sex and I was enjoying sex and I was like, oh, I get why people like go gaga for this stuff because like, this is really great. Oh, wow. You like that? I like that. Um, But yeah, so I guess, you know, part of overcoming it was, I mean, of course, just a lot of patience with each other and having so many conversations um, of, you know, me explaining to him, like, look, it's not you. Like, this is just, I don't have a sex drive. And then him, you know, saying, you know, being patient and like, okay, I understand. I just want you to know that I really love you and I want sex from you. And are there other ways that we could, you know, be close and be intimate? That's maybe it's not exactly sex, but like, right. So like being willing to compromise, I I think it's very natural for a woman who doesn't have a sex drive, um, to just feel like, well, no, I'm not touching you. If I don't want sex, you're not getting it period. But that, I mean, if you're in a relationship with a sexual person, which is probably most of us, um, it does feel unfair and a little unhealthy and unbalanced to just, completely shut down 
Um, but, but on the flip side, it, it's completely unhealthy just to make yourself available right. every single right. time. So, so it's a little bit of compromise on both parts, I think, within reason, right? Correct. Like, obviously, um, I think there are cases where the woman just cannot have sex due to trauma or, like, just really is not in the headspace. And if that's the case, that's 100% the case. Um, but, like, in anything in marriage, I think that there's room to compromise here if, if there's a struggle. And I also think that just, like, doing it, even when you're not necessarily in the mood, can build like the habit of it, just like working out or something, you know, again, when we made it, um, like a schedule, it, it did help me out to, to want it more and to have a better experience with it. Um, and of course you were happier and then I yeah, just felt a little more natural. So I don't know if that's the best advice on like how to overcome the disagreement of frequency on intimacy, but I mean, for sure, this subject needs to be talked about with and and talked about outside the bedroom you don't want to have a like if Lynette were to shut me down you don't want to have the conversation about sex in that moment because there's a lot of hurt Mm -hmm. you want to provide and usually in a public place go grab a cup of coffee so that way you can have a good discussion and find that compromise between each other right and like no one's screaming it's like you can have a level-headed conversation um where you're both just sharing your piece so yeah. Um, next question was, how do you keep things spicy in the bedroom? Now we're getting super deep. Here. Now we're getting super deep. Um, I mean, I think just always being willing to try stuff and yes. being willing to like have fun and be silly. Well, and... just because sex is such a deep topic and there's so many different variations and things that you can do. Like, yeah. don't want to get in the habit of doing the exact same thing over and over. Because, right. you know, do you eat the same breakfast every single morning? Do You you, the... you do eat I the d- same d- breakfast every single morning, I okay? So... Yes, oatmeal and pecans and honey, just if you all want it. But, <laughs> but, but just in general, like, there... You don't want to get so much into a habit and have the certain expectations. Nothing wrong with that if you both agree to that. But we are always looking for areas to improve or do something different. And when we do that, we just reach a whole new level of love, a whole new level of intimacy. When, like, sex becomes, like fun yeah like it's almost explorative yeah yeah like we yeah we never stop exploring like it's always you want to try a different room in the house or you want to try something different or what like yeah and we've even like done research if we're having like a not like a drier spell but like we we both actively are like looking for ways to make our sex life awesome yep and tried different things different positions all that i'm like how much does my audience really want to know about this uh, yes. <laughs> i'm not sure if you need to like skip past this a little bit if you're my mom listening to this er, you might want to just re- fast forward a couple of minutes but uh yeah the next question actually is do you ever have dry spells with sex i mean absolutely yep uh usually on my end because if i get really stressed or emotionally overwhelmed or if i'm going through a season of anxiety, it's really hard for me to to want sex. I mean, I can go days and not even realize, like, oh, we haven't had sex in a week, 10 days. Um, but I have tried to really allow sex to become stress relieving for me and to let myself kind of just mentally and emotionally disconnect during sex so that it it's not like just another task on my plate, which sounds so silly, but um, that it, yeah, that it's just something that I actually use to unwind and have fun and feel free and get out of my head and get into my body. Um, but yeah, I think dry spells are kind of normal. 
Yeah, and one of the things when, from a guy's perspective, when you're having those dry spells, like my responsibility is to continue to show love to my wife, yeah. even if she isn't giving me sex. Because yeah. you can't be conditional. Like I need to find ways to become intimate, to connect, to a hug here, a kiss here, or whatever it may be, because I don't want to hold it against her that you're not giving me sex, I want to give you affection. That's just the wrong approach. Right. Yeah. Like it's not, we are not keeping a scoreboard over here. It is not tit for tat. Like, we both have this level of commitment to each other of like, I show up for you regardless of how you're showing up for me, which is for a lot of people scary in a relationship because it's hard. You're, you're afraid of like, well, what if I'm doing all of the work? But the funny thing is when your partner is genuinely showing up for you, it makes you want to show up for them. Yep. Like there's, if you are a genuinely good person, which I'm assuming you are <laughs> people who are listening and your partner is also a genuinely good person. I mean, do you really think that they're going to let you be husband of the year, wife of the year, and you just love them so hard and they just never reciprocate? I mean, sometimes I think we can just become distracted or like not recognize how much our spouse is doing for us. But if we are truly giving our best effort in the relationship, it makes the other person reciprocate. If they are a good person who genuinely loves you, you know, like, and that's dry spells in sex and dry spells in our relationship where like, if it starts to feel dull, if it starts to feel like oh, like I'm bored, like, or oh, this is not as exciting, or oh, like this just doesn't, whatever. Like all it really takes is for one of us to just start showing up a little bit more. And like it changes everything. I mean, full transparency, we just in the last few months had something that was kind of like an emotional dry spell, but we talked about it. And like, I I just kind of myself made this inner commitment of like, I'm just going to like try harder. Like I'm going to show up and act like, this man is the greatest man I've ever met because you are, but like, I'm going to show up and just like, I'm going to just act like this marriage is amazing. And I'm so happy to be here. and Everything's great. And like literally two days of that, I felt like we were like young lovers all over again. Like he was all over me and I was all over him. And like, I was like, Oh my God, how did I ever not think this marriage wasn't perfect? Like he's great. And all it took was like me going that little extra mile. Um, And like, it's just, you know, of course he reciprocated. Of course he's going to respond when I'm like all over him or I'm giving him extra kisses or I'm like being super sweet and like vice versa. If we're having a dry spell and he just goes the extra mile for me, of course I'm going to reciprocate. So I think it's so much of it is like, being just staying proactive in your marriage yes and just being the first person that takes the first step yeah. and it's it's hard when you're both at a standoff and you're looking at each other like who's gonna make the first move yeah but as lynette mentioned earlier you can't have the scoreboard like yeah. it like i always tell people you ever hear brownie points yeah they are out there but they expire at midnight every <laughs> single night so you need to daily do the little things kind of like lynette said and not keep score and it will come back to you yeah Ooh, last sex question here. How to open up conversations about lack of satisfaction in the bedroom? This is, a, a again, a very difficult conversation yeah. to have, but one that needs to be approached uh, gracefully. Yeah, very gracefully. I think that's really the, the key thing in keeping your relationship happy and not not creating distance with your arguments or your disagreements is like always approaching tough conversations with grace and with love. Like, I think that's really the secret, if you will, is that like, if I'm struggling with something or I'm upset about something, I know what's going to actually make the change in our relationship is if I come and I come to you with like, 
hey, I love you so much and I'm so glad I'm married to you, but I'm really struggling with this and here's why. And I know you probably are not meaning to hurt me, but it is hurting me and it really makes me feel like this. And what I would love is if you would do this because it would make me feel like this, right? It's like really obnoxiously textbook, like relationship navigation. And it's annoying for someone like me who's super direct, who wants to be like, Matt, hey, you're pissing me off. Stop doing this because it's stupid. Stop. Like, that's my natural inclination. Like, that's just how I think. And that's how I speak. And so, but breaking that habit and actually slowing down and being patient to a point that even might feel annoying at times has been game changing though. Cause it's like, I, it actually gets results. Yeah. Another thing besides approaching it gracefully is I'd recommend writing down what you feel and think before you head into the conversation. Mm-hmm. So that way you at least have an outline because yeah. If you step into very sensitive situations, your emotions, your thoughts, everything can be overwhelmed. You may not miss stuff. So uh, write that down, little bullet points. And as Lynette mentioned, give examples. Like you can just say, I can say, Lynette, fix this. And she may, this may be new to her. So here are some examples of how you can fix it. Because that way she can take that as a blueprint and take what works for her and then change. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, long story short, I guess, how to open up conversations about lack of satisfaction in the bedroom is just tread carefully, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'd probably approach with, you know, hey, partner of mine, like I love being with you and I'm so glad we're together and our relationship means so much to me. Um, But I would, I just want to talk about, you know, our sex life. There are some things that just feel this way and I it makes me unhappy or kind of unfulfilled. And and, and I want to have a great relationship together. Yeah, right. And so it's, it's like, not just like, you don't satisfy me, but it's turning it around and saying, I want us to be happy together. And yes. here's what that could look like, right? So it's not this accusational type mm-hmm. of conversation. It's, it's almost like a problem solving. Yeah, it's like, what are we going to do about this? Mm-hmm. Versus like, you suck. <laughs> Um, so, okay. So I guess, I guess that's going to wrap up the sex convo. That's the main questions that we got there. Sorry. So if every, everybody we're back to the, <laughs> to dry land. <laughs> um, so just a few more questions that you guys had for us. Um, Ooh, this one, this is, this might be a little controversial, but someone said trust with other women, talking to them, going over to do yard work, etc. What's the boundary? So what I think that she's asking is like, um, uh, you know, how do we have, like, how do we build this trust with each other of, like, you talking to other women or, like, you going to help some woman out? Like, what's our boundaries around that? Well, the first thing is just communication on the front end. Yeah. Like, I don't want to help out the neighbor who is a female and then my wife come home and then see me over there yeah. doing something. So when there is not clear communication, there's doubt, there's fear, yeah. there's worry. So yeah. you need to have communication on the front end and you need to establish the own boundaries in your own relationship. Yeah. Like what things are okay for him to do and what things for that he should not do. And come into agreement with, with that because then it just brings a lot of safety. When there's yeah. boundaries and communication, then it removes the fear. Well, I see so much today that people have these really strange beliefs around like trust and like partners are like, no, you don't get to see what's in my phone. You don't get to see my email. Like that's private. Like you don't get to know who I'm talking to at work. Like I don't have to tell you if I'm, you know, going to this person's house or going to that person's house, which, you know, I think every couple gets to define their boundaries. And if that's, if that feels comfortable to you, then that's fine. But it's almost like, you know, like, like we have each other's phone passwords. We, we could get into each other's emails if we wanted to, each other's social media accounts. 
we really don't have anything hidden from each other. And so many people are so weird about that. They'd be like, oh, well, you guys don't trust each other. Well, no, it's like, that's why we have trust with each other is because Matt has no secrets from me and I have no secrets from him. Like we know everything and that's, that creates so much safety for us because Matt knows I'm never going to defend my relationship with some guy against him. And he's never going to defend his relationship with some girl. I'm always his number one girl. And he's always my number one guy. And he also knows that we both know that like, if either one of us had a friend of the opposite sex that made us uncomfortable, we totally keep it above board. So like Matt just like doesn't have female friends. Really. I have a few male friends just in the coaching industry. Um, and, but like with those guys, like Matt knows who they are. Matt has, Matt has spoken to them. Um, a lot of times Matt has even met with them with me. Um, I tell, I tell Matt like, Hey, here's the types of things that we talk about. Um, if any guy ever really is flirting with me, I will let Matt know like, Hey, this dude was hitting on me. And again, it's not because Matt controls me or, or like, usually Matt's just like, okay, (laughs) like he just, he trusts me. So he knows that I'm not going to let anything go on too far, but it's just being completely open with each other that creates so much safety that, I mean, I don't go through Matt's phone. Yeah. I don't think you go through mine. No, nope, <laughs> But if I, you did, I, there'd be nothing to hide. Exactly. And if we do need to meet with somebody of the opposite sex, we just give a heads up to the other individual. Because yeah. you don't want to know something on the back end. And then, again, right. when with clear communication, it brings a lot of safety into the relationship. Yeah. And, like, that's just what feels good to us is that you're my guy, you're my number one guy, and I'm your number one girl. Like, I don't have guy best friends and you don't have girl best friends. That's just something that feels right to us. You know, we can't define those boundaries for other people. It's really just about what feels safe to you. And for me, it's about, I just think when you're in a committed relationship, you don't get to be defensive about your privacy. And I mean, that's just my opinion though. Like I, I, it always confuses me when people are, are so weird. About yeah. It. Like you're not allowed to see inside my phone. Why? Like, what do you, and I get like, I mean, have I had conversations with my best girlfriends that like might be a little embarrassing if you saw, I mean, maybe cause it's like girly stuff or like whatever, but in general, if I'm committed to you as my partner, I'm committed to being fully open and honest with you about all my thoughts, all my feelings, everything I, I experienced that I don't want secrets from you, even like with my girlfriends. And again, maybe that's different than other people. Um, but for us, that's just created such a high level of trust that, I mean, we just like don't have problems. Nope. So I don't know. Um, somebody wanted to know how, Ooh, this is a good one for pastor Hoyle. How do you know when to keep trying and when to walk away? I mean, what first comes to mind, I know I just said I was going to let pastor Hoyle talk, but, (laughs) um, what first comes to mind is I think it's one thing when you are dating of like when to walk away versus when to stay um, versus married. Uh, to me, there's just a different level of commitment. There's a lot less that I would tolerate in a dating relationship than I would in a marriage relationship because marriage to me is just that next level of commitment. And literally, as long as you're not harming me or defiling the marriage or completely giving up on me, I'm going to fight pretty hard in a marriage, uh, versus a, a dating relationship. Like, dude, this is the audition. (laughs) Like, this is where you're trying to impress me. And if we're already having massive problems, it's like, well, what's going to happen when we're five years married and, like, stuff is just harder? Like, what, you know? Yeah. And one of the things I would highly recommend is to get outside help. Yes. Like, that is one of the things, like, you only know 
your relationship from one vantage point. Right. But to have somebody else, whether it be a coach, whether it be a therapist, whatever it is, yeah. they can just bring so much perspective and they can open your eyes to things that you can change. And one of the things I always tell people is you cannot change your partner. All you can change is yourself. Yep. But the great thing, we talked about it earlier, that it only takes one person to save a relationship. Yeah. That if one person is putting in the work and not just work, the right work with the right plan, you can change the course of your relationship. But yeah, that would be my advice is to get outside help to give you different perspective on your relationship. Yeah, I think so many people resent the idea of like relationship coaching or marriage therapy or counseling or anything like that for a lot of reasons. But I mean, we were, we actually were just, we were on like a little date yesterday and we, we both, we were reading a list of like questions to ask your partner, just like for fun. And one of the questions was like, what do you, what do you contribute the most, like the success in your life to the most? Like what in your life do you contribute your success to? Um, and both of our answers were our mentors, like our mentors, our coaches, the people that we've hired to help us through hard things like my business coach, Sabrina, my therapist, Matt has a a mentor um, that's been his mentor for like 15 or 20 years. Uh, The life coach Matt hired, like these are the people that without them, I mean, our relationship would not be where it's at. And so much of the other successes in our life, we wouldn't have those successes. Like having someone who's either been through what you've been through or knows how to navigate it or can just offer that outside perspective is just, it's just a necessity. Like Mm -hmm. there's, and it's not like you're admitting that you're broken or wrong or can't do this yourself. It's just like, I mean, like why walk around on a broken leg when you can just go get a cast? Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, when, I mean, we didn't really answer the question. How do you know when to keep trying and when to walk away? I mean, I don't know what comes to mind for me is just like, if your partner is wanting the relationship to continue, right? I feel like for for what I know about your coaching, Matt, is that like really the only time you can't help a couple is when one of the partners wants to leave. Yes. Like they are refusing to engage. They are refusing to like play any role at all, um, even when the one partner is really engaging, yes. right? Because it's like you said, it only takes one person to really reignite a marriage or reignite a relationship. But if that one person is showing up and doing the things and the other person continually refuses to engage, refuses to play any role, I mean, at that point, would you say that's when to walk away or? I would say you should have some like non-negotiables. And if somebody keeps crossing those boundaries and like, like for some, and this may be controversial, like continue to look at pornography, continue to like flirt with other people. Like there's certain things and it's amazing to me how much women put up with from a lot of guys, a lot of mistreatment. So there should be some conversations like, Hey, this is the boundary and we cannot continue if you keep going over this boundary because you need to have those set rules and expectations in order to have a successful relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's crystal clear. So, um, let's see. Ooh, last question, you guys, since this is probably super duper long. Um, but since we've got the spark guy with us, my husband, pastor Matt, the spark guy, the last question we have here are what are little things to do to keep the spark? Now, one of the things that I teach on my page just in general is the phrase hashtag do a little extra because far too many people just want the big grandizing, go for a weekend trip, four days, like 
that's not what it takes. Yeah. Like it's doing the small things every single day and it takes less than a minute. It takes less yeah. than five minutes. Like yeah. for Lynette, I know that she loves her coffee in the morning. So I get her coffee ready. Or if she is without her orange monster, <laughs> then I can go to the store and just get it for her. Like right. all these different little things that I can do throughout the entire day that add up over time. Right. Or like for me, like, you know, earlier Matt went to lay down on the couch for a nap and I was just kind of running around doing chores and I knew if I go over and kiss him on the cheek, he'll just like lose his mind. And he did. He like, I went over and I just like kissed him. She walked up to me. My eyes are closed. I mean, think about this. This goddess, (laughs) this amazing woman here and just says something sweet into my ear. I'm just like, oh, I I melt. Yeah. So like something like that, like it, do I, do, am I a really touchy, affectionate, kissy person? No, not really. Like, is Matt like a big sweaty boy that I have to kiss? Yes. (laughs) But like, I knew it would mean a lot to him. So I just go and I do it. Or, uh, you know, we're on the couch and I'm getting up, getting a drink and I'll just bring him over a drink as well. Or like bring him over his favorite snack or just like something small. I, I think we forget to just go out of the way to be nice to our partner, right? Yes. Like the things that we did when we were dating of like, like, oh, I was thinking of you. So I stopped by your work and drop off flowers. Like, dude, do that now. Yeah. And it, again, it can be so little. Like, Or even stop at the, at the gas station on the way home for, like, your partner's favorite candy. Like, yeah. just this little thing. Like, it's, it's 50 cents. If you don't have 50 cents. Right. <laughs> to... Or, like, free. Like, give your partner a kiss. Or, like, yeah. go and give them a compliment. Or, like... Pick up their side of the room without saying anything. Or, or make the bed. Like, yeah. just like little things. Little things that just makes your partner feel like you're there for them and you want to make them happy. That you're not just like so comfortable with them that, you know. You're just in a routine. Yeah. And you don't, you almost like, um, you don't want to take them for granted. Yeah. Like what I think keeps the spark alive for us is that we, we still act like we're dating. Yes. Like this has not turned into an old roommate situation. Like we still giggle together and like flirt with each yeah, other. We, we were standing in the Starbucks line yesterday and we were just hugging on each other. Just yeah. being sweet. Like I was kisses. like, oh man, I literally said, I was like, we are annoying everybody here right now. Because and I don't care. I know you don't care. I felt like we are just calling everybody here single in like seven different languages. <laughs> with We were just like hugging and like being cute and like you know when you're first dating that comes so natural because you're you're like just wanting it so much and then as you've been married for 10 years it just becomes so just like normal I feel like the draw is not there as much but like just make the choice to do it like again I'm not a super physical touch person but I was standing in line with you in Starbucks and I was like he would be really happy if I just gave him a hug. Well, you don't see it right now, but her arm is around me and I'm just being <laughs> so ecstatic right now. Aww. And she doesn't have to do this. Like, yeah. I understand it's summer, it's hot, and I could be sweaty, but she... And you're breathing on me again. Yeah. So, <laughs> so her just putting the arm around me, it just brings such a smile to my face. And then you know what that does for me? It makes me want to look for something else to do to her and reciprocate, as yeah. we talked about earlier. I mean, if I had to wrap up, like, why I feel like our marriage is working and why we have such a good time in our marriage is that we both are committed to each other. We're both committed to each other's happiness. There is no score sheet in this relationship. So like we know that there are times where you're pouring in 90% and I'm pouring in 10. And we know that there are times where I'm pouring in 90% and you're pouring in 10. And we have just decided long ago that we're okay with that. And that that is okay. And we expect that we're not going to make each other wrong for it. And um, what was my last thought? I mean, yeah, we've just, we've, stayed committed to being there for each other and making this relationship fun and not just being roommates, but like, like we've committed to the relationship and not just like 
being faithful, but like, I commit to making you laugh. I commit to like having a good time with you. And I commit to making this relationship fun as much as I can. And when you're both committed to that, it's so much easier to feel safe and comfortable and loved and for the relationship to be good. Yeah. I'm just looking for new ways to love my wife every single day. Like there was, there's something I knew that I learned about her each and every day. So it's another part that I get to know and I get to love. Yeah. And you know, I'll also say it's not just rainbows and butterflies over here. Like I remember when we first got married, people would tell me like, Oh, the love changes over years. Like you're not going to have that like butterflies in your stomach infatuation 10 years from now. And I'd be like, no way. I'm always going to feel that way. And they were right, right? So, like, it's not always, like, butterflies or infatuation. Like, so much of that fades, but it changes into a a really deeper, soul-felt love. Um, You know, but that being said, like, yeah, stuff's hard sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, our relationship is one of the hardest things I've had to navigate. And, like, I've I've a million times in my head thought, like, this would just be easier if I was single. (laughs) Like, because it's work. It's work, and it's hard, and it, like, messes with you. And it's, like, you have to... Your ego has to die a hundred deaths over the course of a day in a relationship. And it's a lot of work, but it's just so worth it when you are willing to keep putting in that work. I love you. Ew. <laughs> All right, you guys. I'm sure this podcast episode was so long, um, but I, if you made it this far, thanks so much. Remember to check out Matt on Instagram. The Spark Guy. That is The Spark Guy on Instagram, or you can look up Matt Hoyle. I think that'll probably come up too. Yep. Um, but thanks so much for hanging out, guys. If you want to hear Matt again on my podcast, then let me know. Tag screenshot this uh, podcast episode, share it in your story, or send me a DM on Instagram or on Facebook. would love to hear from you. And also, make sure to like the podcast. You can't like a podcast. You can't? No. Oh. Leave a review. Leave a review. <laughs> All right. Thanks for hanging out, guys. I'll catch you in the next one. Thank you so much for listening to the Balance and Thrive podcast. If you love today's episode, do me a huge favor and share a screenshot of this episode on your Instagram story and make sure to tag me so I can see it. I'd also love some encouragement and helpful feedback by having you leave a review of my podcast on iTunes. That would be so incredible. But thanks for hanging out with me again today, guys. Catch you on the next episode of the Balance and Thrive podcast.